This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. You've heard us say, when you're hungry, you only have one problem. We say it often. We say it often because I want us to grasp the significance and the power of food. Honestly, until that one problem is solved, it is impossible to focus on anything else that could improve the well-being for you or those around you. The challenges to those things in life that matter. Health education, and the ability to support yourself are next to impossible to overcome when dealing with not having enough food to eat. A leader who understands the power and significance that food plays in our lives, economies, and culture is our guest today. Max Finberg, the president and CEO of Growing Hope Globally, joins Jerry Brisson and me next on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson has found for us another special guest. Max Finberg, the president and CEO for Growing Hope Globally. Max, welcome to Food First Michigan. Thank you. So, Jerry, thanks for finding this very unique gentleman that shares a passion for our work. Well, I'm only going to take credit for being introduced to Max by another mutual friend uh, who's a big supporter of Ending Hunger, and, uh, and that's Joel Jacob. And Joel introduced Max to Gleaners when Max was still with the USDA and, uh, and really working with faith-based organizations. And Joel was the head of Mazone, which is the Jewish response to hunger. And so I met Max here at Gleaners uh, on one of the conversations that was going on at the time about how do we really end this problem of hunger and food insecurity? And, uh, and I, you know, then and now was absolutely blown away by how much Max knows and how much he's done and how many people he knows. And, uh, and I should say that, you know, he does have a few photos of me that I would like to not be public. So we're just going to keep this all very positive, right? No, just, just kidding. I, I mean, Max, you've been a good friend and, and, a, and a real advocate for this mission. We're delighted to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Jerry, I have to say of all of the introductions I've ever gotten, that is the most recent. <laughs> no, yeah. I am thrilled to join both of you. And as, as you noted, I care about uh, our neighbors who are hungry, whether that's around the corner in our communities here in the United States or around the world. Uh, and that's where Growing Hope Globally has its focus and impact. We work with farmers and their communities here in the United States to serve and support farmers and their communities overseas. Hmm. And so I'm excited to tell a little more of that and the Michigan connections, but uh, just acknowledge that uh, people with big hearts really care that folks are going hungry and right. they wanna do something about it. And that's where you guys have, have really 
uh, found an audience. Uh, you have demonstrated that in your work with both Gleaners Food Bank there in Metro Detroit, but also around the whole state with the Food Bank Network, Dr. Phil, and just really appreciate the work that happens that allows good people with big hearts, uh, with a generous streak and desire to help, to find ways of serving. And that's what we do at Growing Hope as well. That's wonderful. Well, we sure have found that to be true with our relationship across the entire agricultural sector. Um, they are they are folks with uh, big hearts that want to help, uh, and they're certainly doing that. Our relationships with Farm Bureau and the family of companies there. In fact, they're our sponsor here on Food First Michigan. So um, we understand it. There's a great connection point, but. But Max, I, I don't think you started out as the CEO and the president of Growing Hope Globally. I think there's some uh, there's some some life journey there that got you to this point. So so give us the quick version of uh, the Cliff Notes version of of how Max ended up with this calling and this this position of service. Well, I think you're exactly right. It is a calling as I've felt it throughout my life. But uh, I was just home in the town of 600 folks in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York, where I grew up, where mom and dad still live. And uh, we moved around when I was a, a kid before that, before dad uh, started teaching in the central school where I graduated from. And there was a time when he was unemployed and was on food stamps, like many folks are, and trying to bridge that gap to make sure that his young son and his wife could eat. Uh, he still talks about that pit in his stomach of worried about how he was going to provide. I don't remember any of that, but that's a story that he's told me since, especially as I've gone on to work on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and helping hungry folks. In high school, I got to visit Israel as the birthplace of both sides of my heritage. Dad was <laughs> Uh, born and raised Jewish. Mom was raised Presbyterian and Unitarian. They were both hippies in the 60s. And when I came around, um, they were both at Woodstock near where I grew up. I wasn't conceived there. I've done the math. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have this very real communal sense of we got to take care of each other. And so mm -hmm. that was ingrained even without any religious instruction. But when I came back as a teenager from a trip to the Holy Land, I said, you know, I think there's something up there and I want to find out about God. So I started reading the Bible, the brown leather, red letter, King James version that we had in the house, uh, started with Genesis and ended a year and a half later with Revelation. And I read all of the passages that talked about concern for those who were hungry. And I said, if I'm for real about God, I need to be for real about what God cares about. And that is and was the foundation for my work to try and address hunger. Mm -hmm. I uh, was scarred by the memories of the great famine in Ethiopia in the 1980s when I was in uh, junior high and high school and uh, then in college took a class on overcoming global hunger and started to get some stuff in my head about it. I had the privilege of working with former Congressman Tony Hall from Dayton, Ohio, who has gone on to continue to be a friend and a mentor uh, many years after stopping to work with him. He cared so much and he looked at different solutions 
that wouldn't you know fit easily in the conservative or liberal bucket. He worked as a Democrat with Republicans, all with a focus on how can I address hunger in our country and around the world. And I got to work with him for a dozen years. He's still a friend and a mentor. We're working uh, on Ethiopia again with some faith leaders trying to address the situation and the looming famine there again. So that has been my path. And because of that, I've had opportunities that a kid from a rural central school graduating with 32 others might not have had otherwise. Hmm. And that's taken me uh, to Rome, Italy, where I served when he was a, our ambassador to the United Nations agencies that deal with food and agriculture and hunger. So two weeks before our first anniversary, my wife and I arrived in Rome. She was a Peace Corps volunteer, uh, had worked in West Africa for many years on maternal and child health. She got a job with the United Nations World Food Program, and I helped Ambassador Hall at our embassy in Rome dealing with the UN. And then went on, as you touched on earlier, uh, working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture as the Director of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships, where we did more than just pray for rain. We connected nonprofit organizations, faith-based and secular, with the programs that USDA administers to help hungry folks. And so, Jerry, wow. you at Gleaners are very familiar with those whether that's SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly Food Stamps, or the Summer Feeding Program, WIC, all of those need partners. And so that was part of my role. I then did a stint at the White House, uh, back to USDA, ran the Domestic Peace Corps, AmeriCorps VISTA, for a year. And then uh, my stint right before this was back in Rome, working with the United Nations World Food Program the largest humanitarian agency in the world, feeding about 100 million people, and uh, the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize for its work, the whole organization. I wasn't there when they got it, but I'd like to think I got this tiny fractional <laughs> slice of that. Well, well you know, great. Max, I've only got about 850 questions based on that, you know, all the pieces of that story. I mean, thank you for, for sharing uh, all the parts of your life that led you to a place where you're in leadership now and again to to continue to make a difference for people that are, you know, needing needing somebody to walk alongside of them on their journey. And I do think about our work so much that way. It's not what we do to people. It's not what we do for people, but rather what we do with people. Right. And it's it's that bringing all of that together. And, and you just described so many ways that that happens and so many of the important players. You know, when you think about the USDA and the role of government, that's important. But of course, you were doing more than just with government. You were doing partnerships with faith based organizations and others because it takes all of us right working together to come up with these solutions. And we haven't solved it yet. But we keep working at it and we keep growing our understanding and, and, and we believe this is a solvable problem. And I would dare say that we don't talk about it on this show as much. It's a solvable problem here and anywhere, but that doesn't mean it's easy, right? And so we need leaders like you who, who know so much about this work 
to be taking the reins and helping us along. Doctor, I know you've got something. I can see your... Well, I just got to <laughs> I just, I gotta pay some bills here. Uh, but we're going to talk about solutions with, with Jerry Brisson and Max Finberg, the president and CEO of Growing Hope Globally. He's our guest. Come back and be with us. We're going to be right here in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you very, very much. Jerry Brisson and I back every week here on Food First Michigan and our guest, Max Finberg, President and CEO of Growing Hope Globally. Wow, Max, what a resume. That's pretty cool. You have one handful of life. You're a pretty young guy, especially compared to me, and uh, man, you packed a lot of living into that, and I tried to do that as well in my one handful of life, mm-hmm. so uh, it's great to hear your story. Jerry, you said you had 850 questions, so... <laughs> Not day typical for me, but but in this case, you know, probably the thing that, that pops right to the top for me is... What keeps you believing that this is the thing for you? What what makes you go, you know what? I there there's still something I want to do here and I this is the work I want to be invested in. Hope isn't just our middle name. It's something I really believe in. And one of the things that keeps me hopeful that as you said this is not only a solvable problem Hunger has a cure. We know that. There is enough food in Michigan, in the United States, and in the world to solve hunger. And we know what it takes. It's not easy, but it is solvable. And one of the things that allows me to keep that hope is the the link in the food chain that farmers and their family and friends and everybody connected to agriculture has and is willing to play. So that's how we got started. Growing Hope Globally is now celebrating 22 years. We were founded by a couple of farmers just south of the Michigan line in northwestern Ohio. Vernon and Carol Sloan said, we have food, they're hungry people, let's get it to them. And they Mm. ended up sending a shipment of grain from Toledo on the Great Lakes to Port-au-Prince in the Caribbean Ocean in Haiti. And they said, this is really expensive. We can't do this again. How can we come up with a better model? And so they sat down with some farmer friends, with some uh, church organizations, the relief and development groups uh, that have been doing this work for decades, and they came up with an updated model of gleaning. Now, Jerry, you know a lot about that, having uh, that not only as your name, but as the founding uh, biblical source from Leviticus of what do we do? Well, we tell farmers to leave the edges of their field for the widows and the orphans so that there could be some leftover for those who can't provide for themselves. Well, we don't live in an agricultural society anymore, so we need the, the dots to be connected. Gleaners connects those dots for hungry folks in southeastern Michigan. 
Well, Growing Hope Globally connects those dots for farmers, let's say in the thumb of Michigan, up in Huron County and Pigeon, who want to do something. And so each of them dedicate a portion of the proceeds of their harvest. It might be they set aside 10 acres. They might set aside 20 or 30 acres. They might donate seed so that there isn't a cost for the farmer himself. Their congregation might take up a special offering to cover the cost of fertilizer that isn't donated or all sorts of things. The growing project there in Pit, based in Pigeon is the largest we have in the entire country. And at the end of the harvest, when they pool all of their funds, the growing project committee of some farmers and some church folk and others in the community say, where do we want this to go? And they choose the overseas programs they want to help to support. Just as an example, there is no Michigan State Extension Service in Guatemala or in Kenya or in Bangladesh. So the funding that we raised, last year we gave out about $2 million in grants to uh, over 40 programs in two dozen countries in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Two thirds of that money is coming from farmers and their friends and families who say, this is what we can do to help. And that's where I still get hope. So I love this story, I mean, how can you not appreciate the community coming together and deciding to make a difference? And and fundamentally, the way I see that connected to, to what we're trying to do here is it's the same ideas, right? It's, it's, this, it's fundamentally, we as a community, once we decide we want to do something and are willing to do something, it is amazing what we can do together. And of course, the fact that there's enough people that want to solve hunger is one of the main reasons we feel like it is solvable. And your, your process for not just discovering who might be willing to help and who can add their voice to the louder chorus of, of solution building, but but the fact that you know people get to to make their choices about what's important to them and that's a very dignified process right it's a process that's not so much pointed at you but again with you right and so we talk about dignity all the time as one of the key aspects of our work that we we know people are going through a hard time and we don't want to make it worse by by making them embarrassed or otherwise feel badly about what they're going through rather we would say People are worth investing in, and as we invest in them, the value, all of our value, grows. And so your, uh, your, your description of, of the way you engage the community around this work, but also just recognizing, you know, in some ways that we have many things here that, that other people are just barely starting to figure out how to put together. You mentioned Michigan State University Extension, who we've had a wonderful relationship with for a long time and all of the resources they bring to this work. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I, it's hard for me not to just latch on to that hope that you're talking about. In fact, why wouldn't I just latch on, right? And as, as would all our listeners, doctor, I know you've got, you know, other things too. This is right up your alley, buddy. Well, you know, when you, I've said for years, uh, and you've heard me say it often, Jerry, that, you know, the commodities that the food bank network trades in most, um, isn't in a can. It, it's called trust and it's called hope. 
And when that when that food arrives in a in a home, um, and hunger comes off the table, it's replaced sure with access to nutritious food as it should be. But with that food always comes hope. They trust that the food is safe, and that's priority number one for us. But also, um, when 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 you're hungry, and you have one problem. What am I going to eat? What am I going to give my kids? Then your mind is not free to work on the other issues and challenges of life. But when hunger comes off the table and is replaced with food, a.k.a. hope, then the possibilities are, are limitless. And I think that that's, I love the name, Growing Hope. But, but not just Growing Hope locally, but Growing Hope where? globally so it's it's a powerful message you have there max thank you we were founded as foods resource bank and that was in deference to our neighbor to the north the canadian food grains bank but people started asking and kept asking after many years are you a food bank can i get some food or are you a bank can i get some loan so before i arrived three years ago the board and staff decided that we needed a, a refresh and we became Growing Hope globally. And one farmer told me, we've always used food as a tool for hope. So that's exactly right. That is who mm -hmm. we are. We share that value core to who we are, that there's God-given dignity in every single human being. And it's our job to walk alongside of them not to tell them what they need, how to do it, all of that. So before the pandemic, we took trips all over the world. And we would take farmers from here in the U.S. to see those projects. Just behind me there is a, is a great story of Gary Gench, southwestern Michigan farmer outside of Kalamazoo. He wanted to go see where his money was going. He wanted to make sure that trust was was right and well placed so he and his daughter went to visit the program they helped to fund in honduras and he wanted to you know meet some and he did and they were migrating as the only option they had to feed their families and there's nothing that'll stop parents from expressing that love from putting food first right in your title so gary was so moved by what he saw and heard from these Honduran farmers like Rafael uh, that he said uh, upon coming back, he and his wife talked about it, prayed about it, and they ended up doubling the number of acres that they were donating. And they said, wow. this is exactly how we can make a difference. And this is what we're going to do. That's awesome. Great story to end this segment. But guess what? We've got one more with Max Finberg the president and CEO of Growing Hope Globally. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. 
Welcome back, everyone. Max Finberg, the CEO, President for Growing Hope Globally. Jerry Brisson, the CEO, President for Gleaners Community Food Bank, and also the President of the Board for the Food Bank Council of Michigan, which kind of makes him my boss. And at least gives me some assurance that I'm going to be treated well on this show. On this show. <laughs> so uh, it's great to have you here, Max, and certainly you're um, the, the preparation uh, that all things do work together for good to prepare you for this position, this responsibility. And I got to tell you that the message you're sharing, hunger has a cure, is resonates with our, with Jerry and myself for sure, with our network of seven Feeding America food banks here in the state of Michigan, and also with our partners. And one of those partners, I think we have another connection with, which is uh, not only the show's sponsor, but they're great friends of ours in this pursuit of a food secure state. And that would be the family of companies at Farm Bureau. The, both the fam, uh, Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan, as well as uh, the Michigan Farm Bureau um, 65 county farm bureau they're ready to they're ready to rock and roll they're ready to go to work on this issue of food security across the state so tell us about your uh your relationship with them as well max yeah uh not as good as i want it to be so i am <laughs> excited to have this opportunity because as we've been talking about and as your listeners have heard farmers are the heart and soul of what we do i want them to make sure that their neighbors are fed and they do that through you and the network of food banks covers all of those 65 counties around michigan from the up down to detroit and all the way over to the western sand dunes on lake michigan that is great but i guarantee some of those farm bureau members also care about hunger overseas why? Because Michigan's an incredibly diverse agricultural state, one of the most diverse in the whole country. California's right. got number one, but Michigan's right up there. And the Farm Bureau knows that. And they got to serve all of their members. And so some of those folks have, have done missions trips with their congregations. Uh, some of them have kids who have gone off the farm and graduated from Michigan State and done some international development work or served in the Peace Corps or whatever it might be. I am interested in connecting with some of those farmers who say, I want to make a difference on hunger globally because that's something we can offer. And one of the neat ways of that is uh, anybody can start a growing project. You can be a big farmer, a small farmer, you can be traditional row crops, you could be the uh, uh, farm, the flower farmers out in Walter's Gardens out west, or the mm -hmm. Red Arrow Dairy, also in western Michigan. We, we are a faith-based organization, we're extremely ecumenical, but we are agnostic on what you want to grow as a growing project <laughs> for Growing Hope. So a great story is my predecessor's predecessor, the, the basically the first CEO and president of Growing Hope, was a retired uh, seed company president, Norm Braxick from Kalamazoo, ran Asgrow Seeds. 
and he got on the board of then Foods Resource Bank, and uh, the first executive director uh, left for another job immediately, just a few months in, and he stepped up. He said, I can do this, and so came out of retirement to run Growing Hope Globally, and there are still 18 growing projects throughout all of Michigan. As I mentioned, from the thumb, uh, we're good out west. The Christian Reformed Church and their uh, World Renew Relief and Development Group are strong partners, always have been. Um, we're not as strong up in northern Michigan, and we'd love to just expand throughout the entire state to connect with farmers to say, we have a vehicle, we have an on-ramp and a mechanism for you to make a difference right where you are in the fight against hunger around the world. Again, people can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can support their local food bank in ways that uh, take fresh produce, for example. We're not taking any food, so that's not something we can do. But for those who have a heart for their brothers and sisters who are hungry around the world, we are the best way for them to do that as farmers, as rural congregations, as folks who, who say, okay, hunger does have a cure. Let's prove it. Let's do it together. Well, Farm Bureau is certainly a, a leader in agriculture. Um, they're also a, a, a very focused purpose-driven organization, uh, the, both the family, of, all the family of companies, uh, and they're, they've certainly been good to us here in Michigan. Um, they're good friends uh, outside of the mission. Uh, they're good people, and I, I the, all the way back to the first segment here, you talked about um, the kind of hearts that are in and that peop, in the people that do agriculture, and that's absolutely true. And another great truth, fact checker here, we are the second most diverse agricultural state in the U.S. And uh, only California grows a greater variety. I don't know, olives, nuts, those kind of things. We can't do, quite figure out how to do that in the six, seven months we have to grow food here. But if anybody can do it, I think it would be our, our friends in agriculture. So you're right, Max. They're, they're great people. And uh, I'm sure you'll find some them open to how to how to help people where they're at, no matter what country they're in. Mm -hmm. I I had read that statistic that Michigan is the second most agriculturally diverse state in the country from my friend Chuck Lipstrew, who's president of the Michigan Agribusiness Association, but. I don't want to just believe his press releases, so I didn't have time to verify that, which is why I hedged my bet. But I knew that, and I'm excited because uh, the Michigan Agribusiness Association, one of the partners with the Farm Bureau, because it's all the same folks who grow the food, who add the value on the next step in the food chain processing or getting it to folks, that's our sweet spot. And sure. well, I'm excited to be able to join them next month and uh, talking with their members, as I would be excited to talk with the Michigan Farm Bureau members, because you're right, farmers know what it's like to depend on the weather. Is there enough rain? Is it too much? What what of all this is is necessary? So they understand the challenges that face farmers in the developing world, even if they're only working with an acre or a half acre of land. 
even if nobody in Michigan is growing uh, sweet potatoes or mushrooms like they are in Zimbabwe or Cambodia, and where we have programs, we're helping those farmers. But it's exactly right. It starts with one person saying, I can do something to help, and we have a vehicle for them to do just that. Jerry, let me let me throw to you because we're going to run out of time here. What's what's the one question you've got to ask Max before before his time with us is up? Well, aside from getting some information about how people can contact you, we're not going to forget to do that. But aside from that, Max, what's the most hopeful thing you see coming up in the next six months, year? The most hopeful thing I see is in the next generation. Farmers are getting older. Rural Americans are getting older. We know that. But the next generation cares about this too. They're digital natives. They're plugged in with what's happening around the world in their hands as they hold their phones. So we're doing a lot with ag teachers and with the group FFA that used to be the Future Farmers of America. We, before the pandemic, we were able to do trips and we took them to see these programs overseas and they were inspired and wanted to do more. We uh, just uh, updated one of the many resources we have. So we have uh, both a global food security curriculum for teachers and their students in high school. We also have a global farmer experience a role play, putting yourself in the, the shoes or the moccasins or the sandals of a farmer in the developing world that you can do online or in person. All of that, as you mentioned earlier, is available free of charge on our website at Growing Hope Globally, all one word, growinghopeglobally.org. And that gives plenty of resources for FFA students and their teachers, but that's where I get a lot of hope. We're in the midst of uh, a fundraising campaign for the next generation. I have two colleagues that are walking 75 miles from Fremont, Michigan to Byron Center out west. And one of them is retired and she's 75 years uh, young and is excited wow. to celebrate those, uh, those gifts of health. So she's walking those miles. And we have another colleague who was our very first employee and he is retiring after 22 years of faithful service. So they're gonna be walking 75 miles to raise awareness on that. I'm going out to Fremont uh, day after tomorrow to launch that walk against hunger for the next generation. But my son and I, uh, my son Matthias just turned 13 years old and we're gonna do a hike against hunger in a dormant volcano in Hawaii. We are going to <laughs> wow. hike. The summit is 10,000 feet high. We're gonna hike down into the crater. We're gonna spend the night together uh, looking at the stars and we're gonna then hike out. And already folks have generously pledged to support my colleagues Bev and Ron as they walk their 75 miles and Matthias and I as we do our hike against hunger. So all of that is just so hopeful that other people are getting involved that uh, this is a way of engaging family and friends and 
you might not be a farmer, but maybe your grandfather was, or maybe your uncle is, or maybe you're somehow connected to agriculture. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to serve your sisters and brothers who are hungry overseas by walking with them. We provide a hand up, not a handout. And it's because of that dignity where we're talking about earlier that we do that in every single aspect of who we are and what we do. He's Max Finberg. He's the president and CEO of Growing Hope Globally. You can find out more about Max, his team, and the mission of Growing Hope Globally by simply going to growinghopeglobally.org. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, quick wrap-up here for today's show with Max Finberg. Um, Pretty diverse uh, background for Max to get where he's at today and uh, in a position that really does offer hope. Yeah, Max has done a lot in Michigan. He's done a lot for the country. Now he's doing a lot globally. Uh, You know, it was great to talk to Max, and we don't do a lot of global... Uh, attention, uh, you know, we don't pay a lot of attention to the global issue of solving hunger. It was nice to have that uh, as a little treat for today. Absolutely. Time for a little food for thought. You know, recognizing the power of the food first concept changes the dynamics for all of our social programming, both here and beyond our borders. It changes our methodology by prioritizing it. The impact will be experienced, not just by our families, but also by our Michigan communities, as well as the world, through positive outcomes in education, healthcare, and even workforce development. We do that by putting and keeping food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.